before I get to the sermon, and I might not get there. The Lord Jesus chose 12 disciples. Is that right? And when he talked to them, he didn't talk over their heads. Did you notice that when you've read the Bible? He didn't talk over, he talked to them. I'm talking to you. There was eye contact. There was connection. There was relevance. He was talking to you. And when he talked, if you remember, to Peter. When he talked to Peter. Peter wanted to divert the conversation onto John. And, and Jesus said, what's that got to do with you? What's that got to do with you? What's that got to do? It, you see, this morning what God is saying to you is, forgive me, I have a plan for your life. But it's you and me. Get your eyes off here and there and them. Get your eyes on me. Because I want to walk with you. I want to connect with you. I want to do in your life things beyond your understanding. But I want to take you so that you live the life which is beyond the understanding of the world. Because the world in which you live has lost its connection with God. And every connection that this world has with gods are the gods that just don't exist. The gods of religion, and there's lots of them, but they're dead or never existed. And God is calling you to get so close to him that you become a transformed personality. You see, God looks into your soul and he knows whether you're walking with him, talking with him, or whether you're just going along with the crowd. And God isn't calling you to be one of the crowd. He's calling you to be as Joshua was. Now, now Joshua was a young man who connected not with God, he connected with Moses. But by connecting with Moses, he saw something in Moses which was amazing and unique and wonderful. And though Moses at this time was an old man, possibly between 90 and 100 years old, which is a few weeks older than me, he saw in Moses something which excited him and gave him this understanding. The God who has done this in and through Moses is the God I want to get to know. He's the God I want to get to know. And that's why when Moses left the tabernacle, Joshua stayed in the presence of God because Joshua wanted to get to know and that's why when you get up in the morning, you start your day talking to Father, talking to Jesus. You start your day by saying, what are we going to do today? You do this, don't you? 
Where are you going to lead me? What would you like me to say and do? And where would you like me to say that and do that? I am your son. I am your daughter. I am your child. And I'm ready for this amazing, special day. So Monday becomes the special day. And Tuesday becomes the special day. You know what I'm saying. I think sometimes when you come to church, you've got the idea that you're one of a crowd. And I pray for the day when this church is packed to the doors three, four, five, six times over Saturday night and Sunday. I pray for it all the time. I, I, I prayed years ago for a church of 5,000 people on the Wirral. I still do. I, I prayed, and the other day I went to Little and bought some Cheshire cheese because I'm very, 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 very big spender. One portion, Little cheese. I walked around that supermarket and I thought, oh, this is ideal for a new church. <laughs> this would seat a couple of thousand. Three services on a Sunday, that's six. And we could use this church for the young people. Where's your God? Don't put him in a box. He doesn't like to be there. You see, God wants to talk to you. And God wants to connect with you. And God wants to transform you as he did with Joshua. And God wants to excite you and thrill you as he did with Joshua. And God wants to walk with you, talk with you, as he did with Joshua, because you're not part of a crowd. You are the child of God. You are the one God is interested in. Don't look over there and say, oh, he's not interested in me. It's, it's him, it's her. Forget that. That's wrong. And you're going to miss the train of the miraculous if you constantly keep thinking that the train is coming for somebody else. The train is coming for you. Stop diverting it to John. Jesus said, what's that got to do with you? There's a conversation that God wants to have with you. And he can only have that conversation with you when you pray. That's why this program that's coming up, fantastic. If you miss out on this, you, I, I cannot tell you the insults that are going through my head. It wouldn't be right to <laughs> say it from the pulpit. If you miss out on this, you're like a person who is dying of hunger, going to a feast and deciding not to eat. Is, is that okay? Come on. You have got an opportunity coming to transform your prayer life. And if you transform your prayer life, do you know what's going to happen? It's going to transform your relationship with God. You'll no longer be a going to church person. You'll be coming to Jesus person. You're no, no longer a person sitting in the pew. You will be a person coming closer and closer. Do you know something? You'll all be wanting to sit on the front row. Why? Because the disciples wanted to get closer to Jesus, not further away. They wanted to hear his voice. They wanted 
to be able to reach out and touch him. They wanted something special. And that's why God wants you this morning to get a hunger in your soul, a thirst in your soul, and want something special. And he does love you. You've heard it from everyone that stood and sung and spoken this morning. He loves you so much, but he loves you as an individual that he has plans for, and only you can frustrate that by not surrendering. So you start your day in prayer, and you read this amazing book. And you don't read it, you memorize it. You get it into your soul. You get it into your soul so that you're constantly talking about it in your heart, in your soul, in your conversation with God the Father. You talk about it naturally. And then the other day I was in the car and Micah was sitting there. And I suddenly realized this poor child... This poor, poor child, he hears his, his, they call me Pops, he hears his Pops on these things so much that when I talk to him about the greatness of God, he says, I know Pops. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. Isaiah 55. <laughs> but do you know something? Truth is truth. And you, this morning, have a choice to sit in this church and say, I came in like this, and I'm going to go out the same. Or you can this morning say, I came in like this, but I suddenly realized I am the Peter that Jesus wants to talk to. I am the one that is special in his eyes. He hasn't put a limit on me because of age. <laughs> Moses was 80. He hasn't put a limit on me because of my young approach or my youthfulness. Samuel was just a young boy. Joshua was not that old. The disciples spanned from Mark, who was not one of the twelve, but he was around, and he would be about 16 years old, right through to Peter, who was possibly around 50. And you've got this span of age. But the Lord surrounds himself with people and he says, come on, get closer. Get closer. Get closer. Get closer. Come on, get closer. And that's why Joshua stayed in the tabernacle. He wanted to get closer. And when he got closer to God, God got closer to him. When he got closer to God, he began to understand that when you get closer to God, you receive the mind of Christ. He didn't understand that because Jesus hadn't come then, but he received the mind of God. The Spirit of God worked in him. He knew that God was with him as I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. God doesn't close the book. The book hasn't closed. Jesus hasn't come back yet. He's coming soon. Thank you, Jesus. But he's not closed the book. All he is doing right here in this church is saying, we're going to have a new chapter. Don't be afraid. Because God, when he puts a full stop and says, time to have a new chapter, he also says, 
the closer you get to me, the greater the opportunity that chapter has of transforming you so that you can live a transformed life that transforms others. And when they are transformed, they too will transform others. You see, God does have the most amazing plan. And when Joshua went into the promised land, God walked with him, spoke to him. Jericho, we had the story. Ai, oh, Ai was the city of defeat and disappointment. And if you read through chapter 7 and chapter 8, you've got the sin of Achan. And you can see that when sin comes in, God ain't around. He says, no, I'm not going to walk with you when you do it your way. I'll walk with you when you do it my way. And the sin of Achan had to be dealt with. And sometimes there's sin in our lives. and We just need to deal with that. If you know you've got something that's not right, put it right this morning. If you're not reading your Bible, if you're not praying every day, put it right this morning. If you have decided to live a, a, a lazy Christian life and you've decided, well, I've done my bit. I'm not going to reach out to people anymore. Stop it this morning. It's time to put down the negative and pick up the positive. It's time to put down your weakness and pick up his strength. It's time for you to say, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in me. Not there, not there, in me. And then he will give you your daily bread. And you will be transformed by that miracle and become the person he wants you to become. You can say this morning, as I leave this church, I'm going to put on the things that Pastor Paul will close the sermon with. I'm going to take those things, I'm going to write them down, I'm going to study them, I'm going to read them carefully, and then I'm going to reach out and I'm going to say, that's for me, that's for me. That's for me. I'm going to become, male or female, I'm going to become a Joshua. <clears throat> a person who spends time in the presence of God. A person who knows that on their life is the hand of God. A person who has a reason and a purpose to live for God in this world and a person who will not accept defeat if you read through the story in Joshua you will see the, the most amazing things you will see how Joshua turns the negative into the positive because God is with him I, I, you read it for yourself. I, I, if I start preaching this sermon I've got here, you'll be here till five o'clock tonight, and that really wouldn't be fair. But simply to say that when they came into the fullness of the call of God and started to move through the land, they, they got tricked by the Gibeonites. You'll read the story. And the Gibeonites, they came, and, and they were naughty. 
But do you know something? They were also not stupid. They were not stupid. They knew they couldn't win, so they wanted to become friends. I want to tell you, if you walk in the power of the Lord, people may not love you, they may not like you, but they'll be changed by you. The Gibeonites were changed by the presence of the Israelites. And they came and they said, oh, we've come such a long way. We want to be your friends. Make a treaty with us. Joshua said, well, how do I know you've come a long way? Oh, look, our horses are so tired. The food we have brought, look how stale it is. Look at the shoes on our feet, they're worn out. Our clothes, when we started out, we looked so smart. And now we're in rags. And they were all fooled by it. And so they made the treaty. They entered into a covenant. They put the name of God on that covenant. And then they found out that they only lived two or three days away. They were tricked. And then the Gibeonites, they said, well, thank you for the covenant. We will keep our part. We will serve you. Water carriers, woodcutters, stonemasons. We'll do the, the menial task. We'll serve you because we know that you're here and he is with you. End of. But then the kings around the area, and those kings were like tribal chiefs. Those kings got together and said, we're going to teach the Gibeonites a lesson. We're going to kill them. And so they ganged up and the Gibeonites sent a message to Joshua and said, help, they're coming to kill us simply because we made a treaty with you. So Joshua listened to father and father said, go on. I'll give them into your hands. And so they were routed. And the five kings left their army running and dived into a cave to hide. They weren't there for long. A big stone at the front to stop them from coming out. When the army was defeated, those five kings were brought out and Joshua put his head on their neck and end of. What are we saying? God takes, listen carefully now, this is for some of you here this morning. Listen very carefully. God is saying this to you. God takes negative and defeat situations and brings it full circle for his glory. When you think you've lost, God says you haven't. You're about to win. I am with you always, even to the end of the earth, even to the end of the age. You're not a loser, you're a winner when he is with you. Of course, other kings decided that they would battle. And you know, if you read on into the next few chapters, you can see how they came and God said, they're in your hand. Go on. I, I, I love it because you will see how God sent hailstorms. Hailstorms. Now, now, last night, I, I was watching a program about Escape to the Chateau. Has anybody ever seen that program on the telly? Yeah. Well, you're not going. Um, and, and 
this particular guy uh, goes and gives advice. He was with this other people and they went up into the top and he says, oh, my golly, termites and this. And, and the guy said, well, he said, though we're in the south, the weather's not always kind. He said, we get lightning and it can be really powerful. Oh. He said, we, we, we get hail. He said, and the hail can, one hailstone can be two kilos. Now, I've never seen a hailstone two kilos, but if you think about it, that's five pounds, so it's going to be about like this. So that's like almost like a football side. And it's that thrown from the heavens above down, you can imagine the holes that it makes. And it said it went straight through the tiles and the slates, just goes straight through. In the Bible, you've got this incredible story where God sent hail. Yeah? He sent hail. And the hail came, <laughs> and it says that it killed more, more than the armies of Israel because God was fighting for them. And you, you, you can read that in. In, in chapter 10 uh, of Joshua. Now, you say, well, that, that's all very good. That's very good. Thank you very much indeed. But wh where does that connect with me? Where does that make me God's man, God's woman? Well, when you were born, you didn't have any teeth. I hope. But you did get some, didn't you? Right. And the first set weren't perfect, and they were a bit weak, and they dropped out, and you got another lot, didn't you? Isn't that amazing? But when you were born, could you talk? But you learned, didn't you? Could you walk? But you learned, didn't you? And then, when you got to a certain age, you went to school. Or you sat at your mum and dad's knee, and they, they helped you to learn to read. I love to help my grandchildren to read. We start with supercadrofragilistic expialidocious, and we move on to the anthropomorphisms of God. You start with the tiny words, don't you? And one of those lovely tiny words is love. Because that's where we want to teach. We want to teach love. And when you begin to read, it opens up so much. And you grow and you develop. And then <clears throat> you, you have exams. Those exciting things at school. Does anybody remember them? Well, if I'd have gone to school, I'm sure I would have had some. You have those exams, and, and you're constantly moving, 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 aren't you? You know, spiritually, when you're born again, you're a baby. But the Apostle Paul encourages you not to stay a baby. He says, you should, you know, you start off desiring the sincere milk of the word. But there comes a point where you need the meat. Grow, develop, mature. Grow up. Go forward. Stretch yourself. Why? 
because it's a terrible, terrible thing when a baby stays a baby. Recently, I've had occasion to <clears throat> pull out some newspaper cuttings from missions that we did years and years ago. There was a little girl called Lucy. She was just under three years old. She was embarking in London. And Lucy has cerebral palsy. So she's not... She can't walk. She can't talk. She's still in nappies. She can't feed herself. And she's a very sad little thing. Her daddy brought her to the mission along with the son. Now, the son had a twisted leg, went faced the wrong way, and he was also dumb. And uh, Daddy brought the little boy for prayer. And while we were praying, his leg totally twisted round, which was wonderful. And the little boy went home. And when he got home, that night, he did what he always did at night. He had his supper, his biscuits and milk or whatever he might have had. And he sat on his mummy's knee and he gave her a big hug and a kiss. And as he gave her a big hug and a kiss, his lips were by her ear. And this dumb child kissed her with a kiss that was beyond words. As she heard... first words he ever spoke, seven years old. He went to school the next day, and when he went into school, he was walking normally, and the teacher said, oh, what has happened to you? She didn't expect any response. He's dumb. The little boy said, Jesus made me better. Teacher had a heart attack, but we won't talk about that. The little girl Daddy said, would you pray for her? We prayed. Nothing happened. But he brought her the next night, bless him. Nothing happened. And he brought her the next night. Such courage. Nothing happened. He brought her the next night. That shows guts and determination. Nothing happened. We were now five nights into a ten-night ten mission. And the next night, when he came, he brought her, and he said, Pastor, there's something happening. I said, what? I don't know, but there's something happening. I said, well, what do you think's happening? Well, she's looking at me, and she watches me. And her eyes follow me. Oh, we've not said that before. Oh, and she smiled at her mum. We've not had that before. And she seemed very hungry. And we've not had that before. We prayed. The next night he brought her. And this was now that. And the was now the next night she was walking the next day she was talking and she travelled three years 
in six days. She traveled walking-wise three years in six days. She was no longer in nappies. She was on the toilet. God potty trained her. Thank you, God. Don't all parents wish that would happen? She had a spoon. And mummy would feed her. But mummy left the plate, the spoon, and did something else. So she picked up the spoon and decided, oh, I'll just feed myself. On the ninth night, dad said, do you want me to talk about this? To the I said, yes, we do. The night came. We'd seen so many miracles. The tent was packed with people. But this family wasn't there. And I was a bit disappointed. We were quite a way into the service, about 20 minutes or so, when there was a disturbance at the back. And the pastor, Godfrey Fern, and I were sat on the front row. We heard this disturbance. And it was a funny sort of disturbance. It was one of those, ooh, ah. And then it started to, and then it grew. And as 5, 10, 50, 100, 200 people began to clap, it filled the place. And then we saw what had happened. Into the center aisle, coming down as we looked up, was Daddy. He was walking. Mummy. He was walking. And between them was a little girl holding mummy's finger and daddy's finger. He came in front and he said, I'm sorry we're late. He said, we, we got to the bus stop in good time. But she, Lucy wouldn't get on the bus. She just screamed. And she shouted, walk, walk, walk. He said, we couldn't do anything with her. So we had to walk all the way here. And that's why we're late. You see, just to help some of you parents, God can teach a child to walk in six days. He can teach a child to talk in six days. He can potty train a child in six days and teach them to feed themselves in six days. But he can't seem to deal with temper tantrums. <laughs> this miracle was dramatically personal four years later because the church grew and grew and grew and they moved out of the building that they were in and got a much bigger building and they invited me to go and preach and I was very busy in those days not that I'm busy now of course but I was very busy and uh, they said please we, we need you to come so I said well I can only come on that one Sunday night they said great everybody will be there so I preached here across the road on the Sunday morning got in my car drove down to London in the afternoon, arrived at the church, and I was having a cup of coffee, when a little girl ran across the church, and she locked herself around my leg, hugged like that. And that's a bit embarrassing, you know. We blokes were a little bit private. And Godfrey Fern laughed and laughed. He says, you don't know who that is, do you? I said, no, I don't. He said, well, that is Lucy, who has cerebral palsy. That is Lucy. And suddenly I 
was so humbled because I had been part of her story. Whose story are you going to be part of? God's with you. God loves you. And you made us for much more than this. Awake your kingdom seed in us. God's desperate to take you on a journey which is not a journey of a lifetime. It's the journey of your life. It's not one and only one. It's every day. God wants to do in you, for you, more than your dreams could ever. And the Bible says it. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But then you may say, well, hold on a minute. I'm me. And I can't. But Philippians tells me, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So then let's just close by, can you get ready to flick the scriptures up? They are, they're actually going to arrive now. I've given them pages of scriptures at the beginning and I haven't touched any of them, I'm sorry. This is what God has given you and it's up to you to apply it and live it. God has given you salvation, yeah? You're his children, you're chosen. God has given you his spirit. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then 1 Corinthians 12, read it. Read it, read it, read it, learn it, learn it, learn it. Write it down now. Get it onto your phone because I'm going to give you three things, three scriptures now. They will change your life. They will transform your life. They will turn you from being a church attender to a true disciple. They will change you from being ordinary to what God wants to create in you and through you. You will become a true disciple, living the disciple life. 1 Corinthians 12. God has given you all those gifts. And then in Galatians 5.22, there are the fruits of the Spirit. Those shine out of you. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith. Those things that make you a revelation of God's love walking in this world. So God gives you salvation. He gives you the Holy Spirit. He then gives you the opportunity to drink in. Seek earnestly the best gifts, Paul says. Come on, drink in those gifts. And then live the fruits. Live the fruits. And you say, but what if things go wrong? Ephesians 6 verse 10. You have the final of the three things I want to give to you this morning. It's the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. Clothe yourself in the whole armor of God. A boxer doesn't get into a boxing ring without his boxing gloves, does he? A footballer doesn't go to play football without a football and boots, does he? Cricket would be a real boring game if there was no bat, wouldn't it? You see, God has given you everything you need. And you say, but I don't know how to use it. Yes, you do. 
I don't know how to use it. Yes, you do. I don't. You do. I gave it you at the beginning. It comes like an old chorus which we used to sing when I was a little boy. And it said, read your Bible. Pray every day if you want to grow. And if you are reading through this wonderful book and memorizing chapters and verses and memorizing it, don't just read it, learn it. And if you are praying, then you're going to become the man God's called you to become. You say it's a very lonely walk. It isn't. It isn't. It's only lonely if you forget who you're walking with. Did you hear me? It's only lonely if you forget who you're walking with. I have a joy every Sunday morning, if I can, to walk to church. I love to walk to church. I love to walk to church because my friend, he walks with me. He walks with me to church every Sunday morning. And we, we, we have a chat. And it's, it's just him and me for half an hour. I used to do it in 23 minutes. It's him and me for half an hour. And we, we have a real good chat. He's very patient because very often I do most of the talking. But do you know something? When we finish talking, I always feel better. Always feel better. I always feel it's not my problem. So you see, this morning I've done all this sermon and I haven't preached it, but that's not my problem. And do you know something? It's not your problem either. Because this morning, you were made for much more than this. So God awakened the seed in you. Not the seed of your greatness, forget it. The seed of his greatness. I could keep you here all day talking about the miracles I've seen. But do you know something? They were all his miracles. I was just privileged to be there. And now it's time for you to be privileged to be there. It's time for you and you of every age group to say, Oh God, awaken the seed of you in me. I want to move in the Holy Spirit. Get those gifts. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. And receive the gift, the fruits of the Spirit, and live it. And I want to put on every day the whole armor of God that nothing will stop me from achieving my God-given goals. Oh God, awaken the seed of your greatness in me. Now, I don't care who you are. From the youngest to the oldest, You are going to make a choice in the next half a minute. And you're going to say yes or you're going to say no. And I challenge you because I love this church. I love my Father in heaven most of all. And then I love you. And I think it's time that you stop thinking somebody else was going to do it. It's your turn. It's your time. Nobody's going to save your street. Nobody's going to save your family. Nobody's going to come and do the miracles. God's put you where you are because you are the seed of his greatness. 
He, he wants to do stuff which is beyond your understanding because he is the God who is beyond our understanding. But you are the seed. He, he wants to put that seed of his greatness in you and then let you enjoy the journey. I'm not going to say, will you give your life to Jesus? If you haven't, come and see me afterwards and I'll be happy to talk to you about asking Jesus into your life. I'm not going to talk to you about commitment and other things. I'm going to go dead simple. Will you this morning stand with me in a moment and say, God, plant the seed of your greatness in me and awaken me, awaken me, awaken me. Wake me up to what you can do. Plant the seed of your greatness in me and wake me up to what you want me to be.